0: It's Saturday, March the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, an ultimatum to Tigray and a boost to the IMF. First, the week in brief. The Ethiopian government gave fighters in the northern province of Tigray a week to surrender. Tigrayan rebels have been battling government troops since November. Thousands of civilians have been killed, half a million are homeless, and almost 60,000 have fled to Sudan. The government said it would use, quote, all necessary measures to end the conflict if the rebels do not surrender. The G7, a group of rich countries, called for the International Monetary Fund to expand its reserves. The bank's holdings have not increased since 2009 in the wake of the global financial crisis. Britain, which is chairing the G7 this year, said the increase would help the world's poorest countries recover from the pandemic. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris visited Atlanta. On Tuesday, a gunman killed eight people, including six women of Asian descent in the area. The motive is unconfirmed, but the attack heightened debate about escalating violence against people of Asian heritage in America. On Thursday, Judy Chu, a Democratic congresswoman, warned that the situation had reached a, quote, crisis point. Although the European Medicines Agency confirmed that it was, quote, effective and safe, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden have not resumed use of the AstraZeneca Oxford University COVID 19 vaccine. The Scandinavian countries want to carry out further analysis to ensure the drug does not heighten the risk of blood clots. France recommended the vaccine only for those aged 55 and over. The BBC said that one of its journalists was detained along with another reporter in Naypyidaw, Myanmar's capital. Since the military coup in early February, 40 journalists have been arrested, 16 of whom remain in custody. On Friday, security forces killed eight protesters. At least 232 have died in violence since the coup. America's Federal Reserve announced that it would not renew the looser capital rules it granted to banks to ease the pain of the pandemic. Last year, it exempted both cash reserves and treasuries from the supplementary leverage ratio, which requires banks to hold equity worth up to 5% of their total assets. That exemption expires at the end of March. And IAG, the airline group which owns British Airways, raised $1.4 billion in bond sales to tide it over until international travel can resume. Airlines had hoped a surge in summer bookings would boost their revenues, but a stalling vaccine rollout in Europe may slow demand for foreign holidays. British Airways suggested it may sell its headquarters after the pandemic-induced rise in home working. And now, here's today's agenda. Places of Mind – The Life of Edward Said With Orientalism published in 1978, Edward Said examined both political and cultural imperialism and argued that Western writers misrepresented the Islamic world. It went on to become a foundational text in post-colonial studies. Now, a new book traces the life of the scholar behind the work – in Places of Mind, Timothy Brennan portrays Saeed as a multifaceted critic whose activities extended well beyond the Ivory Tower. Saeed was a lifelong advocate for his native Palestine. In the wake of the Munich massacre of 1972, in which a militant Palestinian group killed 11 Israelis, Saeed's political activism attracted attention from the FBI. For more than three decades, the agency spied on him, probably up until his death from leukemia in 2003. Mr Brennan, a friend and student of Saeed, draws on files from this surveillance effort as well as interviews, unpublished writings and his own experiences with the Palestinian intellectual to write this rich biography. Catching Corrupt Coppers, Line of Duty Line of Duty, an acclaimed British crime drama, returns for a sixth series on Sunday. It follows the proven format of the police procedural, tracking a trio of detectives as they try to catch bad guys. But there is a twist. The show focuses on an anti-corruption unit, cops who investigate other cops. Each series features double crossings, dirty money and the murky underworld of an unnamed British city. Fans believe it to be Birmingham. Grizzly deaths are also a staple. Line of Duty began with a modest midweek slot on the BBC's second channel in 2012. After picking up a strong following and good reviews, it moved to primetime on BBC One. Now the show has been successfully exported around the world. While the pandemic played havoc with production, causing months of filming delays, the new series promises some Covid-free escapism. One of the show's stars, Vicki McClure, says the virus is, quote, not in Line of Duty's world. A League of Their Own Superhero Films Captain America, Iron Man and all of Marvel's other Avengers characters share a specific superpower, their ability to sell far more cinema tickets than DC's heroes. Marvel's main rival's recent offerings have rather fallen flat, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel 2013 and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice 2016 were too gloomy for many comic book buffs, and the director's Avengers-style team-up Justice League 2017 went down especially poorly. But maybe Mr Snyder wasn't to blame. He was replaced during the production of Justice League by Joss Whedon, writer-director of the first two Avengers instalments. The resulting film was a compromise between Mr. Whedon's wisecracking revisions and Mr. Snyder's original mean and moody vision. A social media campaign, hashtag ReleaseTheSnyderCut, led to DC giving him $70 million to complete Zack Snyder's Justice League, a four-hour edit which premiered on HBO Max and Sky Cinema on Thursday. Now viewers can judge how super it is for themselves. Better in than out, limiting cows' emissions with algae. Natural dietary supplements are all the rage these days, but they are more than just a fitness fad for humans. Fiddling with farm animals' diets can reap great economic and environmental rewards. Several years ago, scientists realised that lacing cattle feed with seaweed can slash bovine methane emissions but it was unclear whether the effect was temporary or whether the quality of the animal products would suffer. Now, research in the journal PLOS One reveals that cows fed seaweed daily for five months produced up to 80% less methane than those fed on normal grub. Not only was their meat and milk quality unaffected, the cattle put on weight 20% more efficiently, which should pique farmers' interest. The only problem, cultivating and distributing enough seaweed for the world's roughly one billion cattle to munch. But with livestock producing around 14.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions, the incentives to do so are clear. One last free kick, the Six Nations. The final whistle will blow today on the Six Nations, an annual international rugby tournament. Viewing figures were this year particularly high, no doubt aided by the pandemic. But the days of matches on free-to-air television may be numbered. Last week, CVC, a private equity firm, announced it will pay £365 million million, for a one-seventh share of the tournament, equal to that of each of the governing bodies of the competing nations. CVC will probably try to expand the sport's commercial potential by pushing to reduce overlap between tournaments, strengthening digital offerings and increasing broadcasting revenue. A similar gamble on Formula One paid off. In the 11 years CVC owned a majority stake, the Motor Racing League quadrupled in value, helped by a deal with Sky, a broadcaster. The Six Nations' current broadcasting deal expires this year, Amazon is expected to be quick into the ruck for the rights for 2022. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ovid, who was born on this day in 43 BC. Take rest. A field that has rested gives a beautiful crop. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays.